Praise the Lord. Open your Bibles up to Luke chapter 9, and uh, we're going to tie a knot in the message we began two weeks ago on being blessed, broken, and given, and understanding that principle applied to our lives. And like I said, it is so important. I love finding the principles in God's Word, then learning how to tap into those and follow the pattern that's set forth so we can receive the promise. Amen? Uh, just before I get in this, I, I just want to interject this. This morning as I was praying and going over my notes and, and uh, getting ready for this, for the service, uh, or this morning, I, I just felt the Lord kind of quicken this to me. You know, grandkids are a lot of fun, and uh, the coolest thing about grandkids is that you can do anything you want with them and then send them home uh, to terrorize their parents. It's like, it's like the get-even season of your life. And uh, so all that stuff, because your kids grow up and they go, oh, man, I'm going to be the perfect parent. I say, not if I can help it. Amen. <laughs> but anyway, we have a blast with our grandkids. But uh, I, I was, when they're small, when they're just babies and they're learning to talk, they say the coolest stuff. When they're just figuring out how to communicate in life. And uh, Thursdays we were getting ready for the, Sean was setting up everything, getting ready for the, the uh, National Day of Prayer. Grace was out in the, little, in, in, in the entryway there and she was eating his like little peanut butter M&Ms and stuff. And so she didn't say candy, she said candy, candy. And uh, so she'd run around, she's eating that and going back and get some more and then but she just loving that because it really feeds that sweet side of her life amen and she loves that she gets all fired up guinea 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 you never go back guinea 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 amen and uh but then you get on that sugar high and then you have that crash but a lot of times that's what we do with the word we like the candy 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 of the word and then we get on that sugar high and then we crash and we wonder why we don't have any real substance to our faith walk and that. And uh, so we got to mature past the candy and get into the meat of the word. Amen. And that's been my anointing in my life is to try to teach God's people how to stand on the meat and on the foundation of God's word. And uh, then our, our, our other youngest grandson, Jackson, uh, he goes with me to the store and stuff. He has a couple of phrases that he has. You know, he goes, I like it. I like it. He goes, I love it. I love it. And uh, cool. But then every now and then we'll be at Costco and I'll be shopping and I'll give him something to eat and he'll go, I don't like it. <laughs> and then it comes out. Amen. And uh, sometimes that's the way we are with the word of God too. We got, we got the part we like, we got the part we love, and then we got the part that we just spit back out. Amen. But it's usually the part that you're spitting out that would help you the most. Amen. So this morning, hopefully you won't spit it all out. Amen. And you will like it and you will learn to love it and apply it. Because as your pastor, I have a responsibility. My responsibility is to teach you the truth of God's word and, and to impart that, to preach and to teach truth. Your responsibility is what you do with it. Amen. You can either live it or leave it. When it comes to the truth of God's word, the choice is always up to you. It's to live it or to leave it. But I have accountability before God. Like James said, don't be many teachers because teachers have a higher accountability. And so, but the accountability is that you have to teach people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. You can't give them candy, candy, candy all the time. You can't give them just the stuff they like and the stuff they love. You got to give them what they need. How many know you got to teach your children to eat broccoli? You got to make them eat veg. You got you to help them learn to eat that stuff because you're not doing them favors if you just give them candy all the time. Could you say amen? So that's our goal. We want to get you rooted and grounded. And I believe that if we can hear this, how many are ready for a dynamic faith explosion in your life? 
I mean, just for your faith to explode in God, to explode to a whole new level. Well, faith comes by hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and receiving the message and grafted into your heart and being convinced of God's word over everything else in your life. There has to be that place in your life where you're convinced that God is true and everything else in life is untrue. Amen. God is true. Amen. His word is the truth. It's a foundation. That's our goal. Luke chapter 9 and beginning in verse 12. When the day began to wear away, the 12 came and said to him, send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding town and country and lodge and get provision for we are in a deserted place. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all these people. For, for there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down. And when he took the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and were all filled and tw- and. and had 12 baskets of leftover fragments were taken up by them. Father, I thank you in these next few moments that your word will come alive in our heart. Cause the eyes of our understanding to be open and to be enlightened. Lord, let our ears be able to hear the truth of your word. Holy Spirit, we need you to come and be who Jesus said you would be in our life. We need you to come as the helper and as the teacher. Help us to hear what you would teach us this morning. Help us to receive the word and empower us to live it out in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Look at the cover of your outline. God does everything based on principle and according to a pattern. And when followed, they produce the promise. If you can get that, and you'll hear me say it a lot, and even in this message this morning, I'm going to throw in some other principles in here, but principles. This, what Jesus is illustrating is a principle of the kingdom. And if you don't understand that, we miss out on the promise. There's always a principle and there's always a pattern to be followed. And if, if, if I find the principle, obey the pattern, I receive the promise. God didn't make this complicated. Amen. He, he made it. The word of God is there to produce in our life. God's not trying to keep anything from us. He's trying to get everything to us. Could you agree? Come on, he wants you to have everything so much to be right. Come on, he sent his son to redeem. Come on, he gave us the body. We just remembered the life of his son. God is on your side. Could you say amen? He's on your side. And so when it comes to the gospel, there's these three core principles that define what the gospel is. People say, I'm going to preach the gospel. What does the gospel contain? The gospel is made of evangelism or people being called by God to salvation. Secondly, it, it contains discipleship, being empowered, being trained, empowered by God. We're, we're called by God. We're empowered by God through discipleship, knowing how to walk in that, how to utilize and, and, and being raised up to where we're productive and then it is ministry and being sent for God are you with me that's the gospel in a nutshell for us as a church we've defined those into the mission statement and core values of our church as to reach raise and relieve people say what's solid rock faith center about why are you here we want to reach people with the gospel we want to raise them up in discipleship and we want to release them into ministry could you say amen 
That's our goal. That's, that's why we exist. Because the Great Commission is the commission that is upon our life. We're not called just to get saved and live our life. Jesus gave a commission and set a commandment over us. And that's to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. You do that through evangelism. And he said, don't just reach them. He said, make disciples. And then when you make disciples, then send them out to preach the gospel and make disciples. And then they'll send them out to preach the gospel and to make disciples. Then they'll send them out and they'll preach and make disciples. Amen? And so through that whole thing, and then one of these days, we'll send them out, and somebody gets saved, we'll find out, okay, that's it, that's the one we were waiting for, however that's going to work, but then we're going to hear the trump of God, and we've pre-taught it before, the rapture's going to come, we're going to get to forever be with the Lord, and the rest of this stuff gets worked out while we have dinner in heaven, amen? Yes. Hallelujah. So I like that. If you want to stay here, I'll eat your portion in heaven, praise the Lord. People always argue with me over the rapture, I say, you're welcome to stay, it won't bother me a bit. Glory to God. Amen. So we've defined those in that area. Look at the inside of your outline. Say, Pastor, what should we be looking for and believing for as a church? Let's believe for somebody to be saved every service. Let's get to a place where we're dissatisfied if people aren't getting saved in every service at our church. If nobody's being healed, nobody's being delivered, nobody's being set free, man, we need to close the door and go home. We need to become the Moose Lodge. I mean, they get together and have a great time and nothing happens. It impacts anybody's life. Let's get, if, if that's all we are, might as well close the door and just move on down the street. Hallelujah. Don't shout at me down when I'm preaching real good. So think about it. The threefold principle of the gospel of evangelism, discipleship, and ministry can only be accomplished by living out the threefold principle of being blessed, broken, and given. If you don't get this, the reason we're not doing more, the reason people don't do more, is because we don't understand the principle that Jesus was illustrating here. And, and as I share this with you, you need to understand Jesus didn't do things out of an insecurity complex. Jesus did not need to be affirmed. He knew who he was. He wasn't doing things for acceptance. He wasn't trying to get a bigger following. He, none of the things that people do ministry for today, he did none of that. Are you with me? He, he, none of that is why, none of that was the motivation for what he did. Most people get upset if you don't recognize them, if you don't affirm them, if you don't do this, do that. Jesus did not have that problem. Because he knew who he was. He knew he was the son of God. He heard God say, this is my beloved son. In him I am well pleased. And he go, okay, that's all I need. I, I'll go the rest of my life on that truth right there. Are you with me? And the moment I got saved and Jesus saved me, I'm good. I know that I am my father's child. Amen. I know that I've been adopted into the family. Whether anybody else ever receives me, accepts me, affirms me, acknowledges me, God has already set his seal upon me. Somebody ought to shout amen. That needs to be your posture. It'll set you free. Amen. You'll be set. Isn't, wouldn't it be great to be free from people's opinions? Yeah. Amen. Well, I just don't think you're very nice. I could give a flying rip. Amen. I said, Pastor, you can't say that. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll take that back. Not really. Amen. You say, why? Because we're not living. If you live by that, then you're bound by people and you've allowed people to control you and you can't obey God. That doesn't mean you don't love people. You love people. You want people to think right about it, and you're going to give your best for them. But Jesus loved everybody and they crucified him. And what happens is you'll give your life trying to get people to accept you, to affirm you, and to do that. And then they'll turn around and drop you like a hot potato. And then you'll be shouting, I can't believe. And then we have to take you through therapy. 
And we could have just got you delivered from the get-go. Could I say, hey, hey, come on, somebody. So look at this. Let's talk about being blessed, broken, and given. We have to get through it. And if you can get it, you can have that breakthrough of your faith. Look at and I'm just going to throw this in here right here. Luke chapter 15. In 2013, the Lord showed this to me while we were at youth camp and just reading through the parable, reading through Luke 15 of the lost coin, lost sheep, and lost son. And in the lost coin, lost sheep, you have lost direction. The lost coin, you have lost value. And in the lost son, you have lost identity. And so you're lost when you lose lose your direction when you have no sense of value and you have no identity but when you come to Christ you know who you are in God your identity is in him your value is set in his purpose upon your life and you've released yourself to be walk out his direction for your life are you with me and so you live saved, you live complete, you live whole. The lessons that go in what we just read with Jesus feeding the multitude, we're going to go through these six very quickly. The first lesson is live off the increase of being blessed, broken, and given. Jesus is trying to show his disciples, if you'll give your lives to me, not just your lunch, if you'll give me your life, you can live off an increase. Many times we can hear a truth proclaimed, but miss walking in the fullness. Look at Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. When he called the 12, his 12 disciples together, he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases and sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Jesus calls them to him, he empowers them, and then he sends them. He calls them to himself, he empowers them from himself, and then he sends them for himself. Are you with me? That's what he does in each and every one of our lives. But we can hear that, but then we get conditioned by life, and we can diminish that truth. It's one thing to hear it. It's one thing to believe it. It's another thing to walk it out in our lives. And so you have to purpose, I'm going to believe God. And so listen, he didn't tell them to go pray for the sick. He said, go heal the sick. He's calling them to him. Hey, guys, come here. This is what I need you. I'm called you. I've called each and every one of you. And now you're following. Now I'm telling you, I'm giving you my authority. Now go in the authority I'm giving you and go heal the sick. And they, by faith, went out and took Jesus at his word and go out. And then they come back and they go, Lord, even demons are subject to us in your name. They believe this stuff so much that they went out and did it what would happen if we got a hold of this and we say God I'm going to live my life I'm going to go do this stuff amen think about it so the disciples were God called God anointed and God appointed Jesus called them to himself gave them from himself and sent them for himself Jesus always acted and taught in ways that would take our eyes off of ourselves and place them on the purpose of God in our life secondly what's the second lesson Jesus will always ask for all you have getting saved is not bowing your head and repeating the sinner's prayer that's not getting saved that's being introduced to Christ that's not being saved Amen. You're not saved unless you go through death, burial, and re- salvation is resurrection. It's re- Jesus didn't ask for, for, for just a confession. He asked for your life. We're raised with him in newness of life, but you have to identify, you have to die and be raised with him in newness. He asked for your whole life. He doesn't ask for 90 minutes on Sunday morning. Most people think they're saved because they go to church once every three weeks. 
and they put money in an offering, and, and, and that some part of that is their lifestyle. But you said, what else do you do? How, how else does your life exemplify that you've given your life to Christ? We, we give our lives to Christ. I said this in first service. Is if people did marriage the way we do salvation, our divorce rate would be 97%, not just 50%. Because nobody would live with people in the context of marriage according to what we have in the same context of Christianity. Just get up and give your marriage. Yeah, I, I want you as my wife, and uh, I'll show up once every three weeks. I might give something to support the house. I'll probably never do anything around the house. But I will come in every now and then expect to be blessed every time I do come home. Don't shout me down. I'm preaching this morning. But you know, I believe in the Lord. Anyway, moving right along. So he asked, for, he asked for your life. He asked you to live your life, to give him your life. And he said, listen, said, if you give him your life, two people look at each other. And look, we say in our vows, all that I am and all that I ever shall be, I give to you now. You have the right to spend me as you will. And the other person looks at the other person, all that I am and I, I give you now. And so we agree to spend our lives and sow our lives into each other. Amen? And you live, you live off of the harvest of two lives being sowed to each other. Jesus came from heaven to the earth and he says, I have now sown my life. I've given my life to you. And you just partook of communion. You just partook of his life being given to you. And now he asks you and I not to just give him back 90 minutes a week or something or tinkle or portion of this. He asks you to give your whole life to him. And when two lives are sown together out of that union of two becoming one, new life flows out of that. Amen. That's not even in your notes. That's free. Glory to God. But he asks for all you have. His purpose is to show us that all we have will never be enough to fulfill God's purpose in a life. When we release what we have, he can turn not enough into the more than enough. Just say this with me. I'll never have enough. You need to understand that. God's not asking you to provide anything. He's asking you to agree that he will be your provider. And we look back and go, we don't have enough. Where are we going to get it? There's not enough bread. We'll never be able to do that. Ha, la, la, la. He said, I didn't ask you to provide it. I just told you to feed them. Just agree. Amen? So we, he asks for everything we have. We release it, and then he turns our not enough into more than enough. Think about it. Turning not enough into more than enough. The ministry is the ground to turn your not enough into more than enough. Ministry meaning servant. When you start giving to minister to others and serving and giving out, ministry is serving. It's not position and title. It's serving. It's giving. It's washing feet. It's taking that lowest position and ministering and caring for other people. When you start giving into ministry, your not enough becomes more than enough. Never for the purpose of getting, but for the purpose of giving. Knowing there will be more than enough left over. People don't get involved because they don't think they have enough time for their own life. You find that God can multiply time. He can add time. God can do anything. Are you with me? Think about it. So what's the process? There's the command, you give them something to eat. The question, what do you have? The answer, not enough. Hear me this morning. Our lack is never a hindrance to God, only to us and our faith. 
Now, just go back and think any time God asked anybody to do anything for him based upon what they had. Study your Bible and find any place where God asked anybody to do anything for him based upon what they had. It's not there. He just asked them to agree with what he wanted to do through their life. And sometimes what he said, bring me what you have and I will take what you have and I will pour my abundance out upon it. He's the God of multiplication. Amen? Think about it. Our lack is not a hindrance. And it's not the size of the church when it comes to doing anything, but the size of the God in the church. Come on, let's be a church that believes that God can do greater things than we could ever imagine. Amen? Amen. Believe that. See, your exodus and his purpose being fulfilled in your life will not be determined by the amount of your resources. Rather, it will come from the faith in your heart to live your life by being blessed, broken, and given you can hear this it'll transform your life the third lesson is the instruction for not enough to become more than that first of all set them down in order and then give me what you have this is not about a lunch it's about a life come on given to him when we give our lives to him it changes everything this is a living parable it, your life is then blessed by being received it's broken by being defined to purpose and it's given with accomplishment of purpose. It's given to accomplish his purpose. Think about this. Many times when it comes to this area of brokenness in our life, this is the toughest place. Because when it comes to brokenness, we usually want to do things according to what we would like to do. Let me illustrate how God uses you. The Apostle Paul is a great theologian. He's a great scholar. He studied at the best school that he was taught at the feet of Gamaliel. It was the Harvard or the Princeton or the Yale of his day in education. So he's school at the best, had the best education in Levitical law. He's a Jew of Jews. He's a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He's a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And then if he was to just get saved and give his life to Christ, he would probably want to do things in the realm that he is. And the Lord appears to him and says, Paul, Acts chapter 26 is awesome because Paul giving his account to Agrippa, he said, the Lord appeared to me and said, Paul, I've appeared unto you for this purpose. And I'm going to make you a minister, and I'm going to send you to the Gentile. You are the Jew of the Jews. But I'm going to send you to the people that are contrary to everything you believed your whole life. I'm going to push you so far out of your comfort zone. I'm going to make you the apostle to the heathen. Lord God. And then the Lord stepped back and said, how do you like me now? Amen. Amen. But, but look at what he did. But see, many times we'll look at, well, this is my education. This is my training. This is my fear of influence. These are all my natural skills. The best way for me to fulfill God's purpose is to do the things that I like to do naturally. And God says, I'm going to pull you out of your natural. Because if you do it naturally, you'll, take, you'll get pride in your, your education and your accomplishment and your skill. But I'm going to send you someplace where the only way you can accomplish my purpose is to allow me to flow through your life. Woo! Amen. So look at what he does. Think about that. He does that. Jesus put back in their hand that which they had given them. Not enough has now become more than enough. It's been blessed broken without brokenness there can be no multiplication unless we allow him to define us with his purpose break us and define us with his purpose and then given <clears throat> excuse me back in multiplied form so they could give it away think about it here they're giving it jesus is blessing it and it's multiplying back 
They weren't supposed to, as they're carrying it, going, man, I hope this keeps up. They were, they were supposed to give. They weren't supposed to eat until everybody else had eaten. They were supposed to serve. So he's multiplying it back, and as they give it away, and by faith they had to believe that they could give back what he was pouring into their life. They could give it out, and when it got all done, there would be enough for them to eat and be filled as well. And that's a huge hurdle in the life of faith for each and every one of us to get over. It was in their hand to give, not to eat. See, we must always remember that he is the God who multiplies the seed we sow, not the bread we eat. Amen. If I, if I want him to bless my life, I have to look what part of my life is being given out. Where, where, where's, the, where's the significance of being given? Where can that be seen in my life in ministering to others? I have to ask, every time an increase comes into our life, no matter what, it, Lord, is this seed to sow or bread to eat? Because 2 Corinthians 9, Paul said, He is the God who gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And then he multiplies your seed sown. Look what God does. He multiplies your seed sown back to you so that you, can be, you will abound and be a people who require no assistance or no aid and are able to give generously to every need that arises before you so that through your giving, through the, what God's multiplying back into your life in every form and every fashion, through your giving, he receives praise and glory and thanksgiving. Paul said, through your giving, God is receiving the glory. Amen? I don't know about you. I get excited that God says this. Hey, get this. I don't know if, if, it, if your brain will catch it, but, but in mine, I keep thinking, God, you want me to agree with you so you can get praise through my life? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? God wants to use me to get praise in the earth through my life. Are you sign me up? Do you get that? God says, this is what I, I want to be. Listen, God says, I want to be seen in the earth through your life. Are you kidding me? Well, you know, I just don't know. Okay, okay, Lord, can I do what they want to do too? Can I do what they won't do? I've learned that. If people say no, I just step up. I can do that. I'll, I'll, I'll take that too. I'll take that too. I'll take that too. I'm not afraid. Are you with me? Because I found out that I'm, ble- I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Why? Because I gave my life to him and he received me. The moment he received me, I got mixed with him. I'm, I'm not my own. You can tell that I'm out of my mind. <laughs> and I'm not my, my I'm, it's not about me anymore. It's about him. And, and then being with him, his supply is my supply. I don't have a worry in the world. What are we going to do? How we, I don't have, Jesus says, do not worry. I said, sign me up. Do you get that? Why? Because I gave my life to him. He mixed it with his. He is now, my identity is now in him. My value is now set by his purpose. And he has set purpose on my life. That means I am highly valued in heaven. When God sets his purpose on you, he declares that you are highly valued in heaven. You have a stamp of value set upon your life. Glory to God. I got through all six in first service. Amen. Watch this. 
This is, is this seed to sow or bread to eat. The result, they all ate as much as they wanted. They were all satisfied and filled. And there was more than enough left over from their naughtiness. Think about that, to meet their need. How can this work for me? You have to release what you have. Most people are bound by a poverty spirit. A poverty spirit is a spirit, I'm afraid I don't have enough. Afraid. To be able to release and to trust God, to believe God. Then think about it. Or else they're bound by a spirit of fear. Everybody just wants what I have. God has never asked for what you have. He asked for you to release his increase through his life. All he's trying to do is to get the increase of heaven to flow through your life. Sign me up. Amen? Do you get that? God said, this is what I want to do. Watch, watch, watch guy. Let's feed the He said, hey, guy, watch that. Let me show you how the increase of heaven can flow through your life. Let me show you that even though there's a multitude to feed and this is all you have, let me show you how heaven can bring a supply into you. Come on. Jesus said, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on as it is. How many know in heaven there is no lack? There is no, there is no want? So he says, hey, so... He's modeling the Lord's prayer before them. This is how you get heaven to come to earth. You have to release what you have. Allow me to mix it and bless it by mixing it with mine. And then let me define it with purpose. And then let me give it back to you. Multiply it out of the resource of heaven. Which is why Paul said, hey guys, I don't care whether I've learned how to be content. Whether I am abased or whether I bound. Whether I have little or whether I have much. Because I know my God shall supply all my need according to his riches in my bank account according to the balance that I see according to no he says according to his riches in glory my needs come out of the riches of glory Paul said I die listen to what Paul said I am crucified with Christ yet nevertheless I live and the life that I now live I live by the faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me and I've completely given my life to Christ therefore my identity is him therefore the value of heaven is upon my life therefore I am abundantly supplied in every situation even if it means, as Cindy shared last week, even if it means in a dungeon in the midnight hour, how can you praise God? Because I know that this situation is about to change because I'm about to tap into my supply. And Father, I just want to praise you in my chain. I'm just going to praise you in this dungeon. And the resource of heaven come, knocks off the chains, opens up the door, and sets you free. Hallelujah. Think about it. Think about it. You have to see that. You have to release what you have. Do not hold too tight to not enough. People always do. And you have to live beyond today what you see. You have to be able to trust the one who is asking you for what you have. No one had done this before. And there was nothing natural about the request. Jesus is never going to ask you to do anything natural. Look at the next point. Know this, God never has and never will make a natural request from your life. If it's just natural, what do we need him for? We don't need God to do natural stuff. Amen. Come on, you don't even need God to go to the moon. Amen. 
We can strap your butt to a rock and shoot you in space and get you back. You don't need God for that. You need God to do supernatural stuff. You can do a lot of great stuff in the natural, but that doesn't make God in it. Are you with me? Think about it. Why? Think about it. God is not trying to do something natural in your life. He said, you give me what you have. What do you have? We must guard against falling into the natural routine with God. Thinking that, That's why the Bible said, don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by renewing your mind. Think, Neil was talking about last week. Come on, there, there's what's natural, and then there's walking in the Spirit. Amen? Live in the Spirit. Think in the Spirit. Hallelujah. We must be willing to do things that will, that will produce the results God desires to bring about in our life. He said, you feed them. You give them. You be a blessing. You meet the need. Come on, that's servant stuff. And it's on a level that goes beyond whatever you could imagine or think. But that's where he reveals all this truth. Look at lesson number five. We don't have time to read the account in John chapter six. But it declares there that Jesus already knows what he's going to do. Every one of you need to hear this right now. Whenever you're facing a situation, no matter what's going on, no matter what you come up against, it's not surprising God. God's not surprised by anything that happens in our life, what's going on. And if we would walk in the Spirit a little bit more, we wouldn't be surprised either. Come on, if I, if I can just remind you, we are a Pentecostal church. What does that mean? That means we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in another tongue. And with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, it's not just to speak and to pray out uh, aloud in church. And that's part of it in worship and prayer and all that stuff. But it's so that you can pray in the Spirit and build up your most holy faith so that you can pray and speak mystery so that you can tap in to the mind and the wisdom of God. And if we pray in the Spirit, if you'll pray in tongues, you'll be praying the wisdom of God over your life and God will reveal things to you. The Holy Ghost is the revealer. Jesus says when he comes, he will show you things that are going to come to pass. He'll reveal future things to you. We can walk knowing what's coming. Are you listening to me? We need to believe that in our heart. Grab hold of it. Think about it. So he says in this area, he knows what he's going to do concerning the situation that you're faced with right now that looks like you don't have enough to meet the need. He will show you the hand of God. Cole read it in his offering this morning that God wants to show you his good hand. Amen. Look at Nehemiah. God puts it in Nehemiah's heart to rebuild the walls. So Nehemiah gets a burden from God. He hears about the wall. He gets this burden. I'm going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. I can re- he, didn't, he didn't say, I'm going to go home and rebuild my house. He didn't say, I'm believing for a house, I'm believing for this, I'm believing for that. He said, no, God, I'm broken. The walls of our city are crumbled. We've been plundered. God, let's rebuild the wall. Let's restore our city. Let's restore Jerusalem. And he begins to weep and cry out to God. He has something burning on the inside of him. But I just want, I'm a cupbearer in the king's court. What a cupbearer. The cupbearer is the guy that drinks to see if the king's going to die. You are expendable. (laughs) The cupbearer, you don't just pour it and give it. The king goes, taste it first. There's some people that don't like me. If you don't die, I'll have a drink. And so the guinea pig, 
the guinea pig gets a burden from God to believe God in his life. He'll just rebuild the wall. And the next thing you know, God moves upon the king's heart. He says, Nehemiah, what's up? And Nehemiah, my heart's broken for the walls in my city and my home. It's in ruin and it's being plundered and it's in rain. And the king says, what do you, what do you need? And God releases the provision and gives him the order and then gives him the authority. And then when, he, when the enemy rises up, he gives him the authority over the enemy and the victory over the enemy. Can you say amen? amen. Oh, my gosh. Is anybody getting this besides me this morning? <laughs> amen. But he, he produced that greater thing. He knows what he's going to do. He's looking and waiting for your response. The hand of God or the arm of man. What are you going to look for? Think about it. Let me ask you this. Where are you looking for your power? Where are you looking for your power in your life? Where are you looking? Your provision. Where are you looking for? In direction to come from. Amen. I said first, I'll say it here. If we could just get people to believe God as much as we believe the doctor. I'll ask the same question. How many have ever gone to the doctor and the doctor says, I know exactly what's wrong with you. I know exactly what to do. And you do this and you will be healed. How many ever had that conversation with the doctor? Amen. Unless it was an ingrown toenail. A broken arm. Something, you know, hello. Unless it's something like that. But if it's something where you don't know, you have symptoms. Well, I don't know. And so what they say is, according to all my study and my expertise and my experience with working with other people, not with you. According to my lemon knowledge of interaction with you, I'm about to make my best professional guess. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to prescribe a medication for you that might work. And so take this and come back in a little while and let me know how it's working. And if it doesn't work, we will try something else. Or I will guess again. And we go, oh, okay. Okay. And then we go down to the pharmacy and we get it. I just had a doctor tell me about, I've had this ongoing cough where I feel like I always have phlegm in my throat right here. So I'll cough at different times and doing that. But I don't have a cold. I'm not doing different things and stuff like that. And, and so it just goes on after I eat. Do all stuff. So I go talk to the doctor. She says, well, this is, I, I think, I don't know. And the first time I met her, she goes, blah, blah, blah. So it, it could be acid reflux. I said, well, I don't have indigestion. Well, it has lots of different forms. I said, okay, that's cool. Cool. I said, well, then, so I'll, I'll give you this prescription, and you try it for two months, and then let me know if it works. If it doesn't, we'll increase the strength. Okay. I mean, know what I'm saying. And so we do that, but, but yeah, if God says, look it, this is the book of not guesses, this is the book of absolutes. This is absolute truth. This isn't God guessing about how life works. This is God absolutely telling you how life works. But if we could just get God's people, look at we even have doctors say, well, I think this is wrong. We, the thing we need, we need to cut you open and take that out. We need to expose you to radical therapy, but yet we just had a God. You have scriptures in here that says, by his stripes, you were healed. Well, you know, pastor, I know that. 
But I know people who believe that. And they're still sick. I know people who believe that and died. I know more people who went to the doctor and died. Say, Pastor, you're meddling. Absolutely, it's my job. Are you with me? But think about all the things we do. Listen, this is his body. Austin was saying so good. This is the most powerful truth on planet earth. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. Well, I know people who believe God and it didn't work for them. Somebody else's failure is not the foundation for my faith. You know I'm not judging anybody, I'm not condemning you, but I'm saying my faith is based on God's word. There has to come a place where you decide to have faith that is greater than other people's experiences. Are you with me? Yeah. Watch. Because where are you looking for your power? Where are you looking for one of the greatest things, the best thing you could do is quit Googling everything. <laughs> Dear God. If I read it, it must be more true than the Bible. Just believe God. Well, just get your, at lunch with Neil and Cindy, we were talking about how come more miracles happen on the mission field in third world countries than they do in America. You want to know Why? Because they can't Google anything there. You want to know else why? They, they don't have pharmacies there. They don't have medicine there. They don't have the doctors there. They, 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 don't, they, they don't have anything to substitute for faith. So when they come, they come with just faith, believing. And they receive miracle when Jesus was ministering it said in that day the woman with the issue of blood went to the doctor for 12 years got no better but grew worse many of you have known people maybe some of you have been going to the doctor for years and years and years and and they're treating you and and and, and maybe they, they have it you know sustaining but Jesus didn't say he would just sustain you thank God for medicine and the help don't misunderstand I'm not against medicine I'm just against medicine replacing the healing power of the Lord Jesus Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Use every tool you can. Take advantage of it. But bless God, never give up on your faith. Never believe in that first. Where do you go first? Jesus. Amen. Go to the word first. Think about it. And then today, we're afraid. People won't come to church because they have a cold. Because, well, if I go, other people will catch it. We have more faith for people to get our sickness than for Jesus to heal our sickness. We hear somebody cough in church. We go, oh, don't go over there. You, I, I don't want to catch what they have. Well, why don't you have the faith to go over and pray for what they have? Are you listening to me? If we, if we don't deal with these real issues and attack it, then we're going to allow the enemy to run roughshod over our life. We ought to be able, hey, let me pray for you. Let me believe God with you. Man, are you coughing? Are you fighting? Come on, let's agree. The Bible says, the word says, the blood declared, the body was broken. We have a right to be healed. Let's agree together. If two on earth shall agree as touching anything, it shall be done by our Father who is in heaven. Amen? Well, can we get germ? We have germex everywhere. <laughs> everywhere you walk, there's. <laughs> germs. There's germs everywhere. 
don't touch the doorknob. Come out of the bathroom. How do I get out of here without touching anything? Who's been in here? People who did the same thing you did. How will I survive? I'm in a room with germs. Microscopic organisms are greater than my God. Who said if you eat any deadly thing, it will not harm you. Say, Pastor, you're being sinned. No, I'm trying to be as real and raw as I can be. Because if I don't get honest with my fears, I will never be able to walk in faith. Are you listening to me? Amen. So all that different stuff. Man, believe God. Amen. Hallelujah. What do we look for? Come on, he's looking and waiting for your response. Are you looking for the hand of God or the arm of man? Think about Jesus. Jesus touched lepers. Jesus went to the leper and touched him. Embraced the leper. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to touch leprosy. But he believed that greater was he than leprosy. Amen. Quit having faith to get it. Believe to conquer it. Have faith to overcome it. Be an overcomer. Are you listening to me this morning? Be an overcomer. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Think about that. You know, have enough faith to hug a homeless person. They might have fleas. Believe when they bite you, they'll die. Amen. Okay, watch this, watch this. Um, John G. Lake went to Africa. They said, you can't go into Africa. There's an outbreak of bubonic plague. He says, oh, is that right? He says, uh, draw, draw some of my blood and, 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 and put it on a, a little slide, glass slide. And, and then take some blood with somebody who has bubonic plague, infected with bubonic plague, and, and put the two bloods together and look under the microscope and see what happens. It's a documented fact. The doctors look under the microscope, and his blood attacked the plague and killed it. The, his blood was, and He said, I won't get it. And he went in and had miraculous healing. And then he came back from Africa years on the mission field and, and went to Seattle and started healing rooms. And they had over 100,000 documented healings. And, and, and they started a, a school of healing and miracles up there. And w- when you went to that school for healing, when, when you said, okay, I've gone to school, they say, okay, this is how you graduate. They gave you somebody with a terminal disease, and you couldn't graduate until they were healed. I'm going to go to Bible school, just don't know if I want to go to that one. <laughs> In other words, I said, hey, if you believe the word, do the word. Well, you know, I know God does that through some people. Why do we always 
speak disclaimers over our life? Why do we insist on disqualifying ourselves from walking in the power of God? My passion as your pastor, I want to reach. I want to raise you up in discipleship to believe God that you can do anything by the power of the Holy Spirit and according to His Word. You can walk in the power of God. God will move through your life. God wants to be glorified in the earth through your life and you can enter into ministry of going out and reaching others by the power of God. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus sent out the 70. Listen how he sent out the 70. When he sent them out, he says, go heal them and then tell them. How many know you heal somebody of a disease, of a sickness? They're kind of open to hear anything. You want to see people say, let's believe God to walk in the power. Hallelujah. I need the worship team to come back. I'm not going to finish. You guys take up too much time. (laughs) If you want to hear all six, you can get the CD from first service. Hallelujah. Turn the back side as they're coming. Well, actually, let me just finish with this. Here was the puzzle that was before them. Let me just back up and say this. I'm just challenging you. Where will you turn when a need is before you? Come on, let's turn to God. Amen? Let's believe God. Let's believe God. Believe that He'll meet and supply any need you have. Amen. If you just give Him what you have. Come on, how can one meal feed so many? How can one life save so many? How can one life save so many? Amen. Because He's the bread of life. And His life was blessed, broken, and given for you and I. Amen. Let me ask you this. How do you see him? Do you see him for who he is? Whenever people recognize Jesus, they would send him for the sick. They would send for the sick. They would beg to touch him, and as many as touched him were made whole. He was more than enough. I want to declare to you, he's still more than enough. So how do you see him? Jesus asked his disciples, And we talked about on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Who do the crowds say that I am? And he says, who do you say that I am? He's asking him, can you see me? Understand, until you can see him for who he is, nothing will happen. It doesn't happen until we see him for who he is. Hallelujah. See, the true cost of discipleship is to deny ourselves, take up the cross, and to follow him grabbing hold of his truth and applying it in every way we can let me ask you this morning what's in the way what obscures our vision from seeing him what's in your way today what is it keeping you blocked I think about this read Luke chapter 9 they go through all these different things boom 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 and then they're on the mount of transfiguration Peter James and John they're on the mountain with Jesus the glory of God comes on that mountain Jesus is transfigured before their eyes. Moses and Elijah appear there. And God starts speaking out of heaven. Are you kidding me? Are you come out of that and, and struggle? See, sometimes, sometimes we think if I just saw a greater miracle, if I saw this, if I, if I saw something, that would really help it. They saw Jesus in all of his glory and God I can't even imagine what that was like 
but it didn't do anything to them. It's when they finally received the word. The word got in them. They believed the word of God. The word produced. So many times we're looking for an experience when we already hold in our hand the answer. Are you hearing me this morning? You hold in your hand the answer for everything you need. God's word. If I hear this, if I receive this, faith comes by hearing, not by seeing. It comes by hearing the word planted in my heart. And then I speak out and I declare the word. Hallelujah. The last lesson is this. I'll finish it. Jesus reveals his true nature and purpose as the living bread come down from heaven. In John 6, he goes on and gives that great discourse of over 30 verses of being the bread of life, the living bread, declaring that he's able to meet every need in abundance with nothing lost, that he's the God of more than enough. Again, I ask myself, who is he to me? If you'd bow your heads with me. I'm just asking you that question today. Who is Jesus to you? Can you see him for all that he is? Can you believe his word? Can you trust him today with your entire life? Come on, I believe God brought us to a point here. I I just feel it. And it's been all these years of pastoring here. We've been through different seasons and cycle. But I feel like God's really brought us to a place for a real breakthrough in the spirit in our church. There's a huge momentum that he's given us this year and expectation. And if we can just lift up our eyes a little higher and see him for all that he is, if we can trust him to give him what we have, our lives, believe that he blesses it. If we can let his brokenness work in our life and define us with purpose, like the Apostle Paul, not what we're gifted and able to do, but let him to define us with what he wants to do through our lives. And then allow him to send us. See, so many times people think ministry is giving up my job, going into full-time. No, God needs you to be sent right where you're at. He needs you in the marketplace. He needs you. He said, go into all the world. You are positioned for the greatest ministry on your job where you're at. You're, You're able to go where nobody else can go. You have a mission field right where you're at. There are people there that God desperately wants to touch through your life. He loves them. Think about it. Can you see him for who he is? Who do you say that he is? Who do you say? Think about it. See, miracles were never meant just to meet the need of the moment. But always to show us who he is. And what he desires to do through us. Let me ask you this morning, where's your trust? What are you reaching for most? Is it Him? If you're here this morning and you have a need in your life, listen to what Paul said, My God, my God shall supply all my need. All my need. That, that means any need, not just monetary That means emotional need. That means physical need. That means relational need. That he's the answer to every need 
in your life. If you need a breakthrough in an area of need in your life, stand to your feet right now. You're looking at it and you're wondering, where am I going to get the supply? Where's the answer for this coming in my life? You're looking at it. It's like that need is like Jesus asking you to feed the multitude. You're looking at the multitude and you're looking at your supply. You're looking at that need and you're looking at your reason. I don't have that need to have anybody in this service this morning. Your need is greater than what you see as a supply. Your need is greater than what you see as a supply in your life. You don't have any, how's God going to do that? Whether it's physical, whether it's financial, whether it's relational, whether it is emotional, regardless of what that is, the need before you looks greater than the supply in your life. A breakthrough's coming right now. Because this is what God asks you to do. Give me what you have. Just bring to me what you have. I'll receive it. I'll mix it with mine. I'll bless it. Then I'll multiply your resource back to you. And you'll have more than enough left over. Now, if you're standing, move right up here to this altar right now. Come on, anybody else. That's you. You have a need. You need that breakthrough. Come on, where are you looking? Who is Jesus to you? This morning, we're declaring he's our answer. our healer he's our provider he's our restorer he's our deliverer he's the answer to every need in our life what when you see him what do you see do you see your healer do you see your provider do you see your deliverer do you see the restorer come on that's who he is this morning he's the god of breakthrough in your life Jesus fed a multitude to reveal who he was. That at any moment, at any time, we can bring our not enough to him. Whenever we don't have enough to meet the need, we bring our not enough. He receives it. He blesses it. And then he multiplies it back. And he gives us the victory over it. In Jesus' name. Come on, raise your hand up to heaven. Begin to declare right now. See him for what your need is. If it's healing, begin to confess him as your healer. Begin to thank him for healing bread right now. If it's delivered, begin to thank Him. Whatever it is, if it's provision, begin to see Him for provision in your life. Begin to worship Him right now. Worship Him right now for who He is in Jesus' name. As they lead us, just begin to worship Him. 